I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello. Before we start this episode of the MMA Fan Podcast, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Free Train. Free Train do these fantastic running vests for you to run in, hit the bag in, and they keep your phone close to your chest. No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket when you run or at an awkward angle on your arm. You can keep it on your chest with easy access to your phone whenever you go training. And uh, what can the people do, Stu, if they want to get a vest? Simple. Head over to www.freetrain.com. Have a look. See what you like. And when you pop it in the basket, just before you check out, pop in the code MMAFAN and save yourself 10%. I mean... Don't ever let it be said we don't spoil you here on this podcast. www.freetrain.com. Go check them out. Excellent stuff. Right, on with the show. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am one half of your hosting team, Blake Harrison, and joining me as ever is... Stu Whiffin, how are you doing? Do you know what I'm thinking? Should we do it like, should we have our own corners? Should you be the blue corner and I'll be the red corner? We could do it like that. I like to think that like, I think that's really coming out fighting. Not... Oh, you're going to rain on well, me I idea now, aren't you? I am, just because, you know, I'm, I'm a positive guy. I'm a friendly guy. You know, I, I don't know why you'd have to start the conversation. Just because we're talking about a sport that is combat sports doesn't mean we need to be combative. It's fine. It's you fine. Know? Do you know what? You know, like, why aren't we just on a fine. team? We are. We are. Why isn't this just a, you know... Us, the listeners, yeah. we're all together as one part of the community, you know, just working for and with each other. Um, um, yeah, I, I totally understand. There's, there's absolutely no shame in being scared, Blake. I understand. 
Like, so... You do weigh about three stone. <laughs> and the rest. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, we were actually just having a quick chat um, before we press record, and but we stopped because I wanted to know how you watched the card because mm. it sounded like you had a very busy weekend. But did you actually end up just sat in front of it I on did. Saturday because you had a busy Friday? I did. So... Um, I don't know if you remember, obviously you've been doing your play, but um, our, uh, our friend of the show, Scroobius Pip, did invite um, me, you and Brian Lacey over. Uh, and obviously you was you was doing the play. And I think Brian was at a family thing. And and so... Uh, Brian was washing his ass. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I had every intention to go and watch it at Pip's. Uh, and then Pips got to do some running around for his his dad, which is some hospital checkups and stuff or something. Uh, and so he just didn't want to kind of have any kind of COVID type, whatever you'd call it. Like, wouldn't want to be yeah. you know, at risk in any way, shape or form. Also, it, w- it went from Pip, me, Brian and you to, to just you. Yeah. And he went. Oh, well, I think this is awkward. I think <laughs> gotta shift my way out of this one. How do I? How do I get myself out of the hole? I've just backed myself Did into. Not think that. Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah. that's lovely, isn't it? Well, um, as it happened, uh, I was knackered because I'd had a, I'd had a big old Friday, and uh, and and yeah, so it actually worked out quite nice. Um, me, the uh, wife said, "I'm going to go and watch a film in the other room if you want to." watch the UFC and I was like okay so uh yeah sat and watched the UFC uh fight so even your wife didn't want to no, be with you no I was <laughs> alone <laughs> completely alone and I gotta be honest with you Blake it's my favorite way to watch UFC it it, it really bet it is, is. Yeah. it's like it's it's yeah I don't get a lot of time on my Jack Jones and so when I can sit I'm like just really get immersed in it oh I loved it not gonna lie when uh when when it got to the main the main fight had a little glass of red wine, sort of celebrated it a little bit as well. And uh, oh, but we'll get lovely. on, we'll get on to that. So yeah, um, literally right from the the fight, fight past prelims, watched the whole lot, and uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I was doing the play, so but it was really interesting that like between uh, between the matinee and the evening show, I was able to catch a couple of fights. I missed Larone's Ooh. fight. But then, obviously, found out about it. I've since watched it, obviously. Uh, and but some of the fights were just so quick. Yeah. I was able to get in more than I thought I would. Just in, I was. I mean, to be fair, I shouldn't really say this, but the play was like the furthest thing from my mind. I, ever I was the professional like watching the iPad, <laughs> ever as always, professional. I was watching the iPad and like Shemaev and Makachev and all that, and then like I heard like. A, a line that's only a few before I come on stage. I was like, oh, shit, run, <laughs> run around the back of the stage, get on stage and do the thing. I wasn't preparing. I wasn't warming up or nothing. Um, I was just watching the fights. But they were incredible. And some of them, like, super quick. We'll get into it. But I thought it was, a, from what I saw, it was a really good card. I missed um, I missed Sandhagen Yarn and watched that on the train mm-hmm. home. Uh, so that was a unique experience. But... Um, but yeah, overall, I thought the card was was a really fun, good card, and at a great time for anyone not in the world of theatre. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was fantastic. Oh, it was ace, and uh, like Pip and I were having a 
a bit of back and forth on the WhatsApp. We moved it away from our little MM8 uh, WhatsApp because we knew that you and Brian, you know, were, were out and about. So it yeah. was like, so yeah, we was having, uh, we, we, we were still uh, having some bants, um, but obviously he just didn't want me in his ass, it, it turns out. Um, so uh, in regards to sort of talking about what happened um, last night, we should say that we're recording this on the, the, the following Sunday. Um, should we start at the very top? Oh, let's do it. But it's the fairy yeah. tale. Let's start with the fairy 100%. tale. Glover Teixeira submits Jan Blahovic and becomes the 42-year-old light heavyweight champion of yeah. the world. Uh, How did you find the fight? Amazing. Like, um, I want it, obviously, not obviously, but I wanted Glover to win because I want that fairy tale. I want the old man going out and going, you know, going out on his shield and then, you know, what I hoped would be to then retire the champion. Um, but we'll get up to post-fight because it looks like that might yeah. not be the case. Um, yeah, I just thought he looked he looked great. I, I think, you know, it was quite obvious that he wanted to get Jan on the floor. You know, I don't think yeah. he was... I mean, Glover's got great hands, but I, I think that's somewhere that Jan obviously seemed a lot more comfortable uh, performing at, and so I think, yeah, Glover was, you know, done the right thing, took him down, used his BJJ, and and yeah, got that rear naked in, and it's second round as well, like no messing. I mean, no, I mean, I feel like the big. Can I just say actually before I talk too much about the fight, the build up to the fight was so brilliant, the week leading up to the fight, the interactions between the two of them, Jan giving Glover the, the beer from his family's brewery in Poland, like singing happy birthday to him on the stage and all that stuff. And you're just like, this is what I want. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's always, trash talk can always be interesting and it gets, you know, pay-per-view buys. And I'm sure with Covington and Usman the, coming up this week, we'll see a lot of uh, animosity and trash talk you, and all that kind reckon? of stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I think they don't like each other. Um, but the, uh, the the build-up this week, I loved mm. it. I loved just two people at the, the top of their game just being really quite friendly and looking like, do you know what? If these two weren't fighting, they'd be going for drinks yeah. together and having a really nice time. And they both seem like two really good guys. They seem like two really lovely Absolute blokes. Absolute ambassadors for, for combat sports. Like, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was... Everybody else seemed more emotional than Glover, I think. And it was only as he was sort of walking out of the octagon, I think he started. Yeah. it started to kind of sink in a little bit. I don't know if I just read that differently from, from you, but it felt like that to me. He felt like he was sort of trying to sort of hold yeah. it all together and take it all in and do the post-match uh, chat. Um, where, yeah, there was talk of a scrap with Jiri. And I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Well, in terms of the fight, that, that we saw between Jan and Glover, I think the the thing that surprised me and the big turning point seemed to be how quickly he got him down in the first round and Jan didn't really have an answer. That immediately, I didn't think Jan would be taken down so easily. And from that point on, there was the fear, which, and we've spoken about this recently, where I feel like one of the best things that a wrestler can do a lot of the time is put doubt in the mind of the person opposite mm. them 
And if you're a wrestler, I know Jan's not necessarily a wrestler, but hear me out. Uh, uh, but if you're a wrestler and you fake a shot and go up with an overhand right that connects, then the, the, the striker who you're fighting is going, oh, shit, I don't know what's coming. Is it the takedown or is it the boxing or whatever? Jan's already got the dirty boxing. He's so durable. I thought if Jan was going to win this fight, it was going to be that he was knocked down hard and nearly finished in round one or two. And Jan's almost sort of gassed himself out by trying to put him away. But the durability of Glover just meant he stayed the Mm. course and was able to get a finish later down the line when Jan's tired. I didn't expect it to be like this. And I didn't expect Jan, uh, uh, Glover, sorry, to get the takedown so easily in round one. And what happened there, I think, is that Glover's already got the threat with the kind of the dirty boxing and he does hit hard and all that stuff. And from that point on, I think Yan wasn't quite sure what was coming because Glover in the second round caught him with a big left hook that rocked him and wobbled him. And that's what then led to the takedown, which then led to the finish. And uh, I, I don't know, there's a narrative going on out there at the moment that, that uh, Blahovic wasn't quite himself. I don't... I don't know if that's true. I don't know if Glover just sort of had his number. I think, um, I think it was either DC or I think it was DC that said it. And uh, it felt when Glover got him down in that first round, he was driving the top of his head uh, into into Yan and, and like just bullying him on the floor. Uh, and he looked really uncomfortable with it. Like, not that anybody <laughs> wouldn't yeah. be uncomfortable with that. But, no. you know, the, it, he's the champ, you know, and he must have known that that was going to be an eventuality that he was going to be you know on his back and he, he looked uncomfortable so if there was I mean he's, he's come out today and he's not made any excuses you know he's like absolute props yep. to, to Glover and you know the better man won you know and he said it's just not the end of the story for me yet so yeah no. you know be interesting to see what happens but I know when we spoke to Pip you know I think we all kind of entertained the idea that it'd be nice that when Glover won the belt. If he was to win the belt, he would yeah. retire. What a lovely way to go out. And yeah, it doesn't appear to be on his radar at the moment. No. And I mean, look, he's on what, like a, I, I get it. Fight? He's on a yeah. six fight win streak now after beating Blahovic. One of the, he must feel the best he's possibly felt in his career. I mean, I would say a Glover at say 35 beats a Glover at 42, but Hey, things are working for him. I mean, he's doing incredibly well. Um, I think also you've got to think he's been working so hard. He's been in the UFC for nine years. He told a story about, I think back in 2004, the second series of the ultimate fighter, he was basically going to be in the house in the second series of the ultimate fighter, but had green card issues. So couldn't come over and then spent a good, I don't know. What was it? Something like seven years then trying to get back into the UFC after that opportunity had um, been taken away from him. Then he finally gets into the UFC in something like 2012. And from that point on, I mean, he had his his championship fight against John Jones and lost that. And since then has been just kind of, you know, win a couple, lose a couple, win a couple, lose a couple. And then has gone on this amazing streak and to become champion at 42, it's an incredible thing. And he's probably thinking to himself, wow, I can actually get pay-per-view buy money yeah. now. Even if I defend it against the guy where I'm, you know, a massive underdog. I'm 42. I've not got many fights left. I didn't take a hu- any real damage no. in that fight with Yan where you would expect him to. Why not roll the dice again and take that money? I mean, 
it makes it sound like I'm doing him a disservice by saying he's just taking the money if he's fighting like a Yuri Prohashka or a Magomed Ankalaev. But they, he will probably be the big underdog. But there's nothing to say that, you know, he got Yan to the ground with ease. I haven't seen uh, Yuri's takedown defense tested. Uzdemir and Reyes certainly weren't testing him the way Glover would test him in terms of his takedown defense. I think Yuri's got really great movement and footwork. Uh, and he's so erratic. You don't know where the strikes are coming from. So that would be difficult maybe for Glover to pin him down. But God, I mean, who knows? You never know. Glover Glover could defend the belt. We don't know. We've already had one fairy tale. Why don't we sign up for a couple 100%. more? Um, I, mean, obviously, I mean, Glover would have gone in the underdog last night, I think. Oh, yeah. massively, yeah. Like, and so I think Prochaska, just do it. Like, I think... Mm. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. Here's the big thing. Glover was in the middle of the octagon. He was like, yeah, Prohashka, you're next, blah, 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 in May. Yeah. <laughs> Prohashka's already been waiting yeah. on the sidelines for, what, a good six months? When did he beat Reyes? Six months probably, ago? Probably. More? I don't know. So he's like a young, I don't know how old Prohashka is, but I don't think he's very mm. old. He's probably like, I'm in the prime of my life. I want to fight three, four times mm. a year. And then this 42-year-old man's just gone, yeah, you've got to wait another six months yeah. now. That might be like over a year between fights. He's probably thinking, oh, fuck yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah. want to do that. So now he's in a situation where it's like, okay, what do you do? Does he take a really dangerous fight against a Rakic or a Magomed Ankalaev or anything like that? Or does he wait because he was the backup guy? He's probably the number one contender. But then if a Rakic or a Magomed Ankalaev gets one or two really good wins between now and May, if that's when Glover wants to come back, who's to say he's number one contender anymore? So I think it actually puts a lot of pressure on Yuri to have another fight, which I don't think is a bad thing because he's only had two fights in the UFC. He's beat top guys. I mean, he's beat Uzdemir and he's beat Reyes. They're, they're two top guys. So, you know, you can't discredit him at all. He's beaten two really good uh, contenders, two guys that have fought for titles. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think him against Ankalaev is almost a fight I don't want to see yet because I do think both of them could be 100%. champions. And it's, it's, that's a fight I'd like to see as like a title defense for one of them. I wouldn't want it to be a number one contender fight. So then you're maybe looking at Alexander Rakic, who had a, 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 a kind of um, flirtation, shall we say, on Twitter with, uh, with Anthony Smith uh, about fighting in December. But those two have already fought before. Um, so I don't know. So we'll have to see how that goes. But the light heavyweight title picture is now maybe... Not quite as clear cut as it was. If Yan had won, I thought it'd be Yan versus Yiri in maybe four months or something like yeah. that. But to wait six, seven months for Yiri to fight again, I don't know if that might be a bit too much. And Dana himself said that he's not sure what's next. Like, because I think he was asked in a press conference, is Yiri next? And I think it was like, oh, we'll have to see how that goes. So, yeah. Well, Glover, enjoy your purse. Enjoy your 50 Gs as well, performance of the night. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And well, should we talk about who won fifty Gs for fight of the night? And uh, we can do. But I mean, another thing is is what happens with Blakovich now. Like, where does he go? Like, he's definitely 
I mean, he's probably got to get at least two wins to get a title shot again. And he's 38 years old, I think he is. So, I mean, he's saying that there's more to come, but we'll have to see. I think Blachowicz is going to have to take a really hard fight against, for example, an Ankalaev. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be some fight, though, wouldn't it? Ankalaev versus Blachowicz. That, that'd be pretty special, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just just looking at um, who Jan's fought. He's he's dealt with a lot of that division. So yeah, the, the, I guess mm. what he hasn't fought is the people like that that you don't. No one really wants to fight, and uh, and we'll get we'll get no. onto that as well. Uh, the the reason why. So, um, should we touch on uh, or not touch on it? Should we just get stuck straight into uh, Jan Sandhagen? Oh. This is the one I watched on the train. <laughs> I had to watch it on the train home. This, what a fight. Yeah. What a great fight. It makes me wonder about the, sc- I mean, look, I think the right guy won. I'll just put that out there straight away. But the scoring system in MMA, because I'm like, if I, I'm, I scored it like four <clears> rounds <throat> to one in favour of Jan. I think Sanhagen won the first so round. I thought, and after that. I agree. I thought second round was tight. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what my point. My point is, I felt like Sandhagen won the first round, and I would say Jan did the most damage. He didn't necessarily hit him with the... I think Sandhagen probably had the most volume of strikes, but that's not damage. The damage done seemed to be the more powerful strikes from Jan. And it, to me, it just made me go, God, did these, ev- loads of these rounds were really, really close. Mm. But yet, because the scoring system is the way it is, I had to do it 4-1 to Yarn, which doesn't make it sound close. It makes it sound like Yarn's ran away no. with it. But he really didn't. It was a really close and really high-level, brilliant fight. And, I mean, Sandhagen, I feel so sorry for him. He's been, he, I think he was on the wrong end of a bad decision from the judges when they gave uh, the TJ fight to TJ. I I I think Sandhagen won that fight. But do we um, do we this time? I think it was the right judging decision. But I just feel for him that he's been on the 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 end of of a couple of decisions where he's he's done really well in both fights. Yeah, but uh, you know he was a busier fighter. You know he was throwing constantly and he was just peppering. You know double yeah. jabs constantly, and it never felt to me like Sandhagen was uh, Sandhagen sorry was ever going to stop Jan. Like, I couldn't see. It looked like the sh- the shots he was throwing, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, like, it just didn't look like they were going to have that kind of knockout power. Obviously, we see what he done to Frankie, and we know that them knees can be devastating. But for me, them tight little check hooks that Jan throws, everything he throws, yeah. and that power doesn't diminish. Like The body kicks as well. Yeah. Like I, I just yeah. think Jan's boxing's, Incredible, like really, really yeah. incredible. Um, for me, you know, I, I wanted I wanted Corey to win. Obviously, I think he's a you know an absolute dude. But yeah, it just as as the fight was unraveling, Yarn wasn't tiring. He never does. You know, he always seems to get stronger as the fight goes on. Yeah, uh, and the more that that fight opened up as well, the, the less and less I thought Sandagan was was going to stop him in any way, shape, or form, and. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping his corner. I think in the in in the going into the fifth round, I felt like his corner was saying. I, I, it sounded a bit mixed to me, like like that they were saying like we need you to win this round, but maybe they said that you might be winning the fight or something. Like that. 
And I thought, well, the way I scored it, and I know it must be difficult live and when you're connected so personally with the person involved mm. in the fight. But for me, I kind of felt like if I was in that corner, I'd, I, or what I wanted them to be saying was, look, I think you're losing the fight. Mm. And I think we need a finish. Just do the Corey Sandhagen thing. Shut, throw the spinning attacks. I mean, look what he did to Marlon mm. Marais. That was an unbelievable like spinning head kick. Um, and then obviously the Frankie. I mean, he tried the knees. The knees, he, he did those a few times throughout the fight. None of them. I think, well, to be fair, I think one or two of them did land pretty flush. But Jan's just an absolute terminator and just took mm. them. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen him throw a few more unorthodox strikes, particularly in the latter rounds. Even if it meant he got taken down and things didn't work out for him because he was, I think, losing the fight, clearly. So I would have liked him to kind of just gone, you know, balls to the wall. Let's just throw everything at this. Let's throw the spinning attacks. Let's throw might have been tired, kind of unique mate. things. That like, Sam, he was... Well, it might have been that as well. But the corner, from what I heard from the corner, they didn't say... You've got to get a finish. From what I remember, maybe I heard it wrong. I was on the train. But I, I, I didn't hear, you've got to get a finish. And I would have, I would have really liked them to, to try and, um, and do that. But yeah, I mean, it, look, it, it was a really, it was still a close fight, regardless of the fact that it was clear Yarn won. I don't know that. I know that makes no sense. That doesn't. Yeah. But if you've watched the fight, surely you understand what I mean when I say that it was a competitive fight the whole it was a great way through. Fight. And it was a great fight the whole way through. It wasn't like one-way traffic, but it was just clear, I felt, that rounds two to five. I mean, five was maybe a bit um, five was maybe a bit more contested. You maybe could have scored that either way. But I think that kind of big spinning head kick that Jan landed mm. on Sandhagen at the end of the fight, what a combo mm. that was. I was like, look, again, it just feels like the most impactful strikes are being landed by Jan. How tough is Corey, Yeah, though? absolutely. He was taking some big shots and just kept coming. Sticking his arms out like what? I don't care. Let's keep going. I mean, I think he's. If if you if you're um scoring the the UFC game like uh, Daniel Cormier, I think does he adjusts like all the star meters on the UFC game. Durability for Sandhagen has to leap yeah. up a star yeah. after that fight. He's really showcased another level of, of durability in himself there. And uh, yeah, as, as did John. Talking. Yeah, no, Jan did too. But as you pointed out earlier, I feel like. Corey was volume and peppering mm. and a couple of big knees, but ultimately it was kind of the peppering strikes that just touch you but not load up. Jan felt like he was loading up and really cracking and, with, with some of those shots. that's where you, you know. get the damage, I guess, and that's where the... Exactly. You know, we know yeah. what makes the points. Um, yeah, high level, super high level technical yeah. strikers and, and it was, yeah, an absolute yeah. pleasure to watch and I can imagine... Sterling must be sitting there thinking, oh, I don't really fancy either of these, thanks. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to have to. I mean, we've talked a lot about Sandhagen. I'm a huge Sandhagen fan, and I know I'm biased. I know you like Sandhagen as well. Um, I mean, Jan is unbelievable. We're, we're talking, I, I kind of feel like I'm talking about Sandhagen because I really, really like him, and he showcased some stuff in there that was great, and I almost feel a bit sorry for him, if I'm perfectly honest. But Jan is something else. I am looking at Jan after last night's fight and just going, I don't think there's anyone in the division that is going to give this guy a real run for his mm. money. I just, I, I just think that Jan's better than everyone. We, we saw, I think he had a far more dominant display 
against Sterling in the first fight than he did against Sandhagen. I can't see a rematch with Sterling going any differently to the way that it did in the first fight. We've got Rob Font kind of facing Jose Aldo, I think, is in December. If Font wins that, then he should be up for a title shot next. Rob Font's put together like a four or five fight win streak and was amazing against Cody Garbrandt. But I don't see Rob Font's boxing you know, taking on Yarn's kind of Muay Thai kickboxing style and, and coming out on top. I, I, I think Yarn wins that fight all day long. Mirab Divashvili is someone that's, um, you know, a, a few fights off of a title mm-hmm. fight, but maybe is someone that could come in and do something. But again, striking-wise, he's got nothing compared to Yarn. Mm-hmm. He would have to wrestle and get him down and use the cardio that he does and. I just think Jan's got great defensive wrestling. He's got great trips, great takedowns himself. I think Jan's cardio is really good as well. So I just don't see how any of these guys are going to do much to Jan for a long time. I think we could potentially be looking at a long reigning champion yeah. in P- Peter Jan. I don't. I just. I just can't see where anyone else's skill set causes him a huge problem. I mean, obviously. We talked about Rob Font. If he if he lands, which he can land, a big shot, much harder than Sandhagen, mm. you know, everyone's got that chance to land that 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 one punch. But I just I just think Yarn's just too good for everyone in that division at the moment. Okay, should we move on to uh... one size fits all? Seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The next fight? I know you don't want to talk about oh, this, mate. Let's, let's not know. even bother with a jingle. Uh, oh, there's no jingle, no. is there? The jingle's dead. The dream is dead. <laughs> the fairy tale. Glover got his fairy tale, but the happy ending I really wanted is dead as you well. You really wanted um, a happy ending from Hooker, didn't you? It's been, oh, really, yeah. mate. Um, I've been dreaming it. Why do you make it sound well, weird? Not. Like there's a connotation well, so, to a happy ending. No, what, what are you just, trying just to do? Think, you know, you're a fan. That's all. Yeah, yeah, no. Big, big, big fan. Yeah, as, as am I. Really, um, really big fan. And um, props to him. You know, we spoke about it on the pre-show. Just, you know, everything he's gone through, staying out there. 
not being around, you know, family, coaches, and 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 taking on yeah. a fight that, as we've also discussed, I don't think many people in that division want that fight, and we saw why last night. No, no one wants it. I mean, again, that was one of those fights that I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to watch all of this because I've got to get back on stage. Oh no, it's over within two minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't a surprise, was it? That's the thing. It's not a surprise. And it's that whole same thing with Khabib. It's not a surprise what Makachev wants to do. But he just does it. Now, Hooker threw a low kick and Makachev caught it. And I always think, again, if you're fighting a wrestler, throw the high kick. Don't throw the low kick. But what the fuck do I know? Um, and... As soon as he threw that low, low kick, boom, he was the on his ass. The speed of that takedown was ridiculous. Oh, it was crazy. And then, I mean, he got him. I, I, I haven't really heard Hooker talk about it or, or Makachev even, but his, his one hand was trapped behind his back and the other one was getting snapped by the Kimura. I'm assuming it was a verbal tap. I couldn't see. The camera angle, even the replays, didn't show that side of it. No. So I, I presumed so it would like, have been. Did the ref just stop mm. it and go, no, I can see where this is yeah. going? Or did did Hooker go stop, stop, or tap, tap, or something? I don't know. But, I mean. It, it had to have been so stopped dominant. then. Otherwise, it was obviously going to be a, a snapped arm. And no one wants to see that, do they? <laughs> yeah. It it looked like it was on its mm. way to yeah it looked it, yeah it was one of those ones that make you lose your lunch it was it wasn't <laughs> a good one so uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah no look here's the thing we're going to talk about Makachev because it was so so amazing and he just looks like he's the champion in waiting but in terms of Dan Hooker the UFC doesn't forget when people do massive favors like this he's garnered the appreciation and the respect of so many fans across the world by stepping in and being the new BMF. Mm. A a, a reporter said, oh, are you like the new Donald Cerrone now in like a pre-fight press conference? And he was like, oh, no, no, I'm just me. I'm Dan Hooker. But I think I can see those comparisons Mm. being made, especially if he he continues to have this mentality of, you know, I'll just do it anytime, anywhere. The only thing that's stopping him is he's he's from Mm. New Zealand. If he was American, he'd probably be fighting every six Mm. weeks. Um, So, and I think the UFC should give him a, a huge fight now, a BMF fight. I'd love to see him fight Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz has, I think, only one fight left on his um, uh, current deal with the UFC, which is worrying. Sorry, there's uh, some noise going on from my printer here. I hope you can't hear it. But there's a... Uh, what is that? Uh, but there's a... Uh, one fight, I think, left on Nate, Diaz, Nate Diaz's deal, which I think is a stumbling block at the moment because the UFC obviously don't want to lose Nate Diaz. He's such a big draw. And Nate Diaz is probably thinking, well, I'll run down my contract, do one more fight with you. It doesn't matter who it is. And then he'll have a test-free agency and earn an absolute fortune or go and box a YouTuber or something and earn millions. Um, is, is Dan Hooker so, yeah. a salacious enough fight? I think what's nice about Dan Hooker for Nate Diaz is it is a winnable fight. Yeah. But I personally would favor Dan Hooker, but it's definitely a winnable fight for Diaz. Mm. Whereas I think Dana White was mentioning anyone in that division, being the welterweight division, is a potential opponent for Nate Diaz, blah, blah, blah. And when you think about that and the Hamzat Shemaevs and Vincente Luque's and people like that that, you know, 
talked about having mm. fights with Nate Diaz previously, you kind of think to yourself, uh, I don't, I don't know that I want to see it. Mm. Whereas I do want to see Dan Hooker, Nate Diaz. Yeah. I really want to see Dan Hooker, Nate Diaz. I have zero interest in Hamzat Shemaev or even really Vincente Luque taking on Nate Diaz. But Dan Hooker, sign me up all day long. Make that the headline of the pay-per-view. I would buy it. So, getting back to Makachev, let's arguably, obviously, I think it's safe to say his biggest win uh, so far in his, in, you know, in his UFC career. Yep. Um, so this now throws him in the mix with, with some big names. Yep. What do you see is next for him? The winner of, uh, it would have been what? Gage Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Went blank then. Um, I think it depends on how those fights go. We discussed it on the pre-fight show. I think there's permutations yeah. to the Gaethje Chandler fight and the Oliveira Poirier yeah. fight that means that Makachev could step straight into a title yeah. shot. However, Dana White said the next thing for Makachev is like a top five or top three guy. Third ranked is Benil Dariush. The only stumbling block there is I think they have the same management, which they might only want them to fight if there's a title involved. Um, but if it's 100% a number one contender fight, maybe they just put all that stuff to bed. Dariush Makachev is definitely a number one contender fight. I think they're both brilliant. I think it's a really interesting fight as well because Dariush, I mean, I say it every time we said it about potentially Gaethje versus Khabib. I remember when Tony was going to first uh, Khabib and now we've got it with Makachev. We think, oh, this guy might be able to outdo Makachev's wrestling or blah, blah, blah. And it never happens, and they make it look so easy. So I, on paper, Darius could do it, but who knows? It's that thing that, you know, if it, in regards to UFC, it felt like we had it with Ronda for a long time. Certainly with, with boxing, I remember, you know, in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, like everybody that got in the ring with Tyson, it wasn't a case of like if, it was when. And it was like, and we yeah. had that with Khabib, obviously. And, and yep. it feels like that's what we've got now. It's like, he's going to get that takedown, and and you're going to sleep like he's going to stop you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I thought he looked incredible. Um, great seeing uh, Hasbullah in the octagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it kicked off between him and Abdu afterwards as well. You know, his little rival, he was there oh, as well. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> so it kicked off between them at the end of it. And oddly, I think Amir Khan, British boxer Amir Khan, got a video of them two trying trying to get at each other. So that was quite an ama- that must have been an amazing scene. Amir Khan's just probably there pointing the camera at these guys. Oh, incredible! Um, and it's all kicking off. So uh, yeah, that was all good fun as well. But um, yeah, Makachev's no joke, man. He's he's uh, you look at that kind of top five or six: Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, Benil Dariush. Who out of them is a favourite against Makachev? No one. So no one. Just reading here, uh, uh, somebody's wrote here. The uh, so Makachev uh, might need a bit of good fortune in his perfect world. Chandler beats Gaethje next week, whilst Charles Oliveira defends the title against Poirier uh, in December. UFC won't book Oliveira versus Chandler rematch after they just fought for the vacant belt. So Makachev will be the likely candidate to step in. That is exactly what I said in the pre-fight show, guys. But, you know. Um, But, uh, yeah. (laughs) We need to to have a little smug jingle. 
<laughs> Blake told you so, Jingle. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, look, that, that, that's exactly right. There, there, there's no point in doing Chandler Oliveira for the belt again. It makes no sense. It's only recently happened. Uh, but if Gaethje wins, I think he's going straight into the title shot because he's a bigger name than everyone else. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think Gaethje will get a title shot if he wins. But if he doesn't, it's kind of all up for grabs, really. And uh, But Benil Dariush is the guy that's kind of the, the unsung one. Like I mean, he's put together a great win streak. He's a really great fighter. But he's the the least recognisable name out of everyone we've mentioned yeah. there. And he's ranked third. And maybe Makachev's thinking, look, I'm bigger mm. than you. And he would have a point, so maybe he wouldn't bother fighting him. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But the light, the top of the lightweight division is really good, but I just feel like very soon we're going to be in the same position we were a little while ago where the dominance gets a little bit dull mm. and we're going to see Makachev just defend, defend, defend in similar fashion every time. And I know there's a lot of people out there that's like, oh, yeah, no, but we need to, you know, enjoy just the greatness of that. And I get that. And you can say that about Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes as well. Um, but I just I just like to see more competitive fights. And I, I worry that if Makachev is as good as they, you know, everyone thinks he is at the moment, then we're not going to see competitive fights. And that's uh, going to just take something away from, from the sport, you know, when we're going into these fights going, well, we know he's going to win. Mm. I mean, if we want to talk about uh, underwhelming fights, should we talk about the, the, the next fight? Because for me, it just didn't do anything. I thought it was a really dull fight. I'm talking about Volkov, Tabura. Oh, mate. Do you know what I've just realised? <laughs> I never watched it. Unbelievable. <laughs> it was and I forgot to get it. <laughs> I forgot to watch it. I was just like, why have I got no notes? I've got notes here. I've got you you saying it's underwhelming. I'm like, next fight I've got is Jimaya. <laughs> that wasn't underwhelming. That was fucking immense. Like that was nuts yeah, that fight. I mean um, it was it was drab. And then, Neither of them, was neither it? of them looked like they it's, wanted no it. No wonder I didn't watch it. And I know Volkov won, which I, I think you know a lot of us were expecting, but yeah, that's bad, isn't it? I haven't watched it. You, you, you didn't miss a lot, mate. And and it's a shame because I think, you know, a, a good win there, you know, could have had some, some good consequences come of it. But, yeah, that, that fight, when people are talking about this event, no one's going to mention that fight because there was too much, too much either side of it. And, yeah. and so, yeah, you haven't seen it and I was underwhelmed by it. So let's get on to something that was fucking incredible. Go on, then. yeah, go on, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Volkov and Tybura fans. Um, I know you're all listening. Um, Hamza Shemaev, what the fuck? That was unbelievable. Yeah. I felt like it, he was maybe incredibly clever in the build-up. The build-up was getting really personal. Like, it was the complete opposite to Blahovic to Shera. It felt like they were really, as much as there was the language barrier, you kind of feel like if they were speaking the same language a lot of the time, it would have got even worse. But there was a lot of heat there. They were clearly going for each other. Li Jingliang really didn't like being, uh, I think, the underdog in a fight where he was like, I've earned my spot in like the top 10, 15 of the UFC. This guy's just come in and beaten, 
you know, I know we know uh, Reese McKee and, and, and Phillips because we're British MMA fans, but the global MMA audience doesn't know them. And um, therefore, to to him, it would have been that they, he's beaten kind of no mm. ones. And yet he's the favourite going into the fight, but he showed why. I mean, that was unbelievable. And I think what he did is he prepared Li Jingliang for like a war. I think he prepared him for like a stand-up striking battle where he thought Shamayev was going to come and try and take his head off. And he didn't. And he suckered him in. And the first thing he did within seconds was double leg takedown. And it just lifting him up and walking him over to Dana White and slamming him down on the floor and shouting at Dana White things like, I'm going to take on everyone and all oh, this is my octagon and all this stuff. Just having a chat with him. Like, like what if I was picking up my daughter and just kind of moving her around the room? That's how easily Shamayev seemed to deal with Li Jingliang. And it was terrifying and amazing at the same time. The minute he walked to the octagon as he was coming out, star quality was there. And like and then to do that, when you've got him, you know, picking him up and walking him over and talking to Dana, then slamming him, it's like that's what fight fans want to see. They want to see some yeah. some madness. They want to see like you know these these superstars in the making, and yeah, there's he's going to follow the path of of Connor and Sugar Sean, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's Dana White said again that like in terms of like the traffic they get on their websites or their social media and all that kind of stuff, the pre-fight stare downs, Hamzat Shemaev hit like a million views. The closest one to that was Makachev with 200,000. That's the difference. Shemaev somehow has just attracted the attention of the MMA world and they are just thinking he's going to be an absolute superstar. To be five times the amount of Makachev. And if if you're someone that hashtags, and like we have to hashtag stuff every now and again when we're putting up posts and stuff like that because you want to try and, you know, get people interested in the podcast and all that kind of stuff. And so you do like hashtag whatever. If you do hashtag Makachev, there's, it's got like 240-something like thousand mentions or something like that. Like lots of people are constantly talking about Makachev. Whereas if you put in Li Jingliang, it'll be like 1,000. So for him, for Chimaev, to have five times the amount of views on his stare down than what Makachev had, that just shows you how much of a star this man is. And it makes me think, now he's in the top 10, or Dana White said he's going to be in the top 10 as of Tuesday when the new rankings come out. You got. I just think stick a stick a rocket to him, and just you know let him soar. Just like I think it makes sense to go for Neil Magny, where because Neil Magny wanted that fight, and I don't think he's booked up for a fight at the moment. So just give him Neil Magny. Really test him. If Magny wins, it says a lot. I mean, Magny's ranked eighth. Give him Magny. Just I, I think that just makes so much sense. And if he beats Magny, maybe you give him like. A Gilbert Burns, who's number two at the moment. I still think Leon Edwards deserves the winner of Colby versus Kamaru. If Colby were to win, I think Kamaru probably gets an immediate rematch, so we see what happens there. But Leon Edwards should be next up. No ifs, no buts. Well, actually, no, Edwards has got Masvidal coming up, hasn't he? So if Edwards wins, he should be next up because now he's booked in the Masvidal fight. Obviously, if he loses, it's game over. Shemaev, if he's 10th on Tuesday... 
Give him Neil yeah. Magny, who's Magny's the perfect fight. Wins that, he should gateway fight yeah. Magny to, to the big boys. Yeah. And then after that, give him one more fight against like a top five guy. And that's it. Give him a title shot. I mean, just get, let's do it. Let's. Just, I mean, it's exciting. Yeah. This guy is special. He, he talks the talk. He dominates. Isn't the stat something like he's done like around 200 strikes he's given out in the octagon in the UFC and only two or three have been landed on him <laughs> in four fights. That's nuts. Yeah. That's, that's the most mental stat. In four fights, he's hit people uh, like 200 times and he's been hit like three times. That's mental. So, uh, Funnily enough, he's yeah. also 50 grand richer. And uh, so, yeah, walking over to Dana and having well, a chat, yeah. then uh, probably, uh, I mean, make no mistake, that was one of the most exciting fights on the card, wasn't it? It was... It, it was hyped and it delivered. And yeah, he's just going to, he's a superstar. Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, the really interesting thing is the way that the betting lines sort of work on these things. If he fought Kamaru Usman next month, I think it, the, I think the odds would be really, really close. I'm not saying the fight would be close. I would favour Usman. Usman's done enough to, to warrant being the favourite in that fight. But I bet you, the way the betting lines work and all that kind of stuff, I reckon it would be really close in the odds. Yeah. You, you, are you, you, I don't know. Your face seemed to say you weren't 100% convinced. I want to see it. more from him. Like, I, oh, I, I, I think, do, but it, do you not think the way that yeah, betting yeah, yeah, works? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, stuff, definitely. They, it would be close. That's just the way those things work. Um, but yeah, uh, people would put money on it. Hundred percent. And why wouldn't you after what you saw last night? Absolutely. But yeah, totally agree. Magni, that's that's always been your gateway fire. He's he's where you you, you, yeah. you test yourself. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I'll also say that I wouldn't fancy Magni to win that either. Not anymore. No, not after that performance. Uh yeah. No, I I th- I, th- I think I think. Hamzat's the favourite in pretty much every fight he does now, aside from Usman. Yeah. I, I really think if it's Hamzat versus Colby, Hamzat's the favourite. Hamzat versus Leon, Hamzat's the favourite. He favorite. was meant to fight Leon, wasn't he? He was, but then Leon got COVID and then Hamzat got COVID and it was that bout of COVID yeah. that made him nearly retire. Yeah, He said he was going to retire. Um, uh, but there was no signs of that. I mean, he seems to have fully recovered. It, that, that was unbelievable. Yeah. What a story. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And yeah, we're, we're watching. It does feel like we're watching a real star. Um, and in in two years' time, we could be talking about Hamzat Shemaev, the welterweight champion of the world, defending his title, and who's going to take him. And yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting. It's exciting whether whether it gets stopped by the next one or two opponents or not. I I think this guy's got a really exciting career ahead of him, and. I think he's definitely going to challenge for a belt at some point. Absolutely. Well, 
Opening the main card, um, we had uh, Ankalaev versus Uzdemir. Um, what did you make of that? Yeah, I, I assumed that um, there'd be a finish from Ankalaev, to be honest. I, w- I was surprised that, um, uh, that Uzdemir kind of survived as long as he did. Um, I mean, other than like the first minute of the fight where Uzmir seemed like he kind of caught him with, with a shot and Ankalaev seemed a little bit rocked. It just felt like one-way traffic. And again, it just it just feels like Ankalaev is just one of those guys that, that can be very dominant. Other than that fight with Paul Craig, I think he's won every single fight he's had in the UFC. And even that Paul Craig fight, as we mentioned on the pre-fight show, uh, um, he he was winning that Completely. fight, and then Paul Craig got that submission right in the last second of the fight. Um, so now, but now I, I do think Ankalaev now, with a performance like that, hasn't done himself any favors in a way because no one's going to want to fight him. He's in that position now where it's like no one wants to fight him. So the only thing I can think is if Blahovich is thinking, oh. I'm 38 years old. If I want a title shot, I need to make a big statement. Otherwise, I'm going to get left behind by these younger contenders that are just coming through. So if Blahovic wants to fight soon and get back in the title picture, I think Ankalaev's the fight. Because if he beats Ankalaev, everyone's like, oh, Blahovic isn't done. Yeah. If, he just go, if he goes out there and beats like an Anthony Smith or you know someone like, along those kind of lines, I think people go, well, you need to go and get two more, one or two more wins before we take you too seriously anymore. But Ankalaev is like, that's the guy, him and Prohashka, they're the hype trains of the light heavyweight division. If you derail that hype train, I think you can get straight back in a top show. If Blahovic beats Ankalaev, I don't think anyone would bat an eyelid at him either rematching Glover or better yet, what in terms of like more chance of this happening for Jan Blahovic. If Prohashka's beaten Glover, and Blahovic has beaten Ankalaev, that fight makes all the sense in the world, and you just make that the fight, and he gets straight back into a title shot with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. So, yeah, but I mean... But again, Ankalaev's not done himself too many favours, because he was just like, oh, I'll fight whoever, I deserve someone in front of me, or whatever it was that he was saying. But call someone out, man. I don't think that the Rakic-Smith fight has been confirmed yet. So, but there's talk of it happening before Christmas. If you're Ankalaev, I would have just, just call out Rakic. Mm. Rakic is like the number two or three guy yeah, or something like that, three, number three yeah. guy. Call out Rakic. Put that in people's minds and they go, yeah, he's right. They're two guys that are doing really well. Yeah. That's a fight we want to see. And he didn't do that. And it's just like, it's like what we've seen with Jack Shaw mm. or Arnold Allen. Like, we want these guys to call people out. We don't want them to trash talk necessarily. There's no, you could do a respectful call out. You do whatever you want to do. But if you don't mention names, yeah. if you just say, I'll fight whoever, whatever the UFC wants, blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't get anyone excited <laughs> for your next fight. And it doesn't put pressure on the UFC to go, we should give him this ranked opponent or that 100%. ranked opponent. And I think it's a mistake. Because once they call someone out, then Social media gets involved, and everybody's going, yes. oh, I want to see that fight. I want to see that fight. I think he'll beat him. I think he'll lose to him. And it's like, that's when the pressure starts to find its way through to the UFC. And then it will have an influence on the, you know, on the matchmakers. Yeah. And 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought his, his striking was, was far superior to Uzdemir's. Um, he was quicker and he was just beating yeah. him to the punch. Um, but yeah, I didn't find it the most exciting of fights, to be honest. I thought it was, uh, it was okay. Yeah. Um, well, where are we at? So we're, 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 we're over 50 minutes in now. So do we just look in? Lerone I mean, Murphy. before, yeah. I mean, if looking through the prelims, there were some cracking fights uh, on, on, on there. Um, I thought uh, Amanda Rebus looked um, really good. I thought her striking was great last night. She did. Um, yeah. And I, I, it looked like Werner had nothing to, to, to answer it to. She just seemed... Rebus just seemed to be that, that little bit quicker and that little bit more precise and her movement seemed better. <clears throat> uh, yeah. But apart from that, rather than sort of like breaking down every fart on there, I think we should just talk about our boy Lerone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, this is the one that I, I missed and came back to a note uh, on the little desk where my stuff is in the dressing room saying, KO, flying knee, <laughs> or something like that, from one of the people mm. in the uh, dressing room. And then I went back and I watched it. I mean... Tell me what you made in the first round. Cons- that was concerning. That was concerning. Like, I know Amir Khani is a good wrestler. I don't necessarily think of him as, like, one of the top wrestlers in the division. Mm. I think of him as... Maybe I'm wrong. I think of him as a good wrestler, good grappler, all that stuff. But I, I wouldn't put him up there as, like, oh, God, this is, like number one or two of the best wrestlers in the division. Um, and if Murphy is thinking he's going into the top 15, top 10 now, in what is a very... The featherweight division is stacked. It is absolutely stacked. It's brilliant. There's going to be people in there with just as good, if not better, wrestling credentials than Amir Khani. And it makes me think, I hope he's happy with the win. I hope, you know... Um, he might have got a little bit of something extra on the side as like a bonus no one knows about because Dana did say there's a few other people on the card that we're taking care of and that was a really great knockout. Um, so I hope he's getting a little bit of extra money. I think he deserves it. But I think the biggest takeaway should be, shit, man, go to America, go to Dagestan, go to wherever you need to go and get get a month or so of solid wrestling training in just because... People watching that will go, like, I know that he's a long way off fighting champions and stuff like that, but someone with the skill set of, like, an Alexander Volkanovsky who wins most of his fights by striking mm-hmm. but can definitely wrestle really well will think, if I want an easy night at the office, I'm just going to take this guy down. Mm-hmm. And credit to Larone for having the intelligence to faint a couple of times and work out where Amekani was going to be so he could land that knee. But that's not going to work on everyone. You you have to be able to, to as DC was saying, uh, break the lock of, of the hands, uh, separate the hands, and be able to twist and turn away uh, from like body lock positions and stuff like that. And that's, that's I think, a big take. And I really hope that he looks at that and is improving that yeah. going forward. Yeah. Who would you like to see him fight next? Well, that's another one. Why didn't he call someone mm. out? You're in an absolutely stacked division. So if you don't call for a name, I'm not just saying, and you can give a couple of names, but I'm, don't just say, I deserve a top 15 now. 
Call out someone specific. Bruce Leroy. Put it out fight there. Fight Bruce Leroy. That's a fight I want well, to see. Well, the only... I, I mean, that would be a great fight. The only thing with that is I think Bruce Leroy's probably earned a guy a bit ahead of him because of what he's done over the yeah, last possibly. however long. Um, so I think he should be getting someone forward in the mm-hmm. rankings rather than behind him. Um I think maybe Sadiq Yusuf is a good shout. Sadiq Yusuf hasn't fought since his loss to Arnold Allen. Sadiq Yusuf is maybe what, like twelfth, something like that, eleven for twelfth. I don't know. I don't think he's got a fight booked. Larone had a re- like. I know he had to deal with the the wrestling, but it didn't take much damage from what I remember. He's fought for like six minutes. If I was him, I'd be thinking, let's get in there quick. Let's see if what Sadiq Yusuf is about. Yeah. He's not got a fight booked. Sadiq Yusuf's rated seven eight, I think. Are you looking at Tapology? I am, yeah. Oh, there again. I'm just, obviously, that's tapology not the UFC. Tapology is not the, yeah, UFC, the, not the uh, UFC rankings. And Tapology is based on popularity as well, believe it or not. So it's like fans going, who do we like the most? Um, so that's not the right one, but... Sadiq Yusuf is ranked 12th in the UFC rankings. Where's Andre in Philly in, no. in the rankings? Uh, not ranked. Good fight. It is a good fight. And look, they're good fights and they're good names and all that stuff. But Lerone is what? Is he four wins or three wins in the UFC? I know he had that draw yeah. on his debut. Yeah. that I think he took a short notice. So I think that should be actually held in good regard. Um, but... If, I don't know if he's three wins in the UFC now in in divisions like bantamweight, featherweight, lightweight. Yeah, you, you probably have to put four or five wins together before you fight a ranked guy. But if he feels like he deserves a ranked guy now, I think Sadiq Yusuf is a good shout. Bryce Mitchell is a grappler. I'd probably stay away mm. from him a little bit for now, not for your that next fight. That was his fight. third win after the, the draw. Yeah, so he's had four fights. He's four unbeaten but three wins. Maybe he'll have to fight another unranked guy before he can get a top 15, but I would have no problem with him getting a top 15 guy right now. Uh, Shane Burgos has got a fight coming up. Alex Caceres uh, is, um, is just come off that win from last week. As you said, that could be a great fight for him, but I think Alex Caceres could also fight forward in the rankings a bit more. Um, Evloev, I don't think has a fight book, so maybe that's a good option. But I, I think Sadiq Yusuf is the one. That's what I'd go for. Um, but it's a shame he never called him out because then it just leaves it to the fates and mm. the UFC matchmakers, and they don't. They might not have an idea for Lerone Murphy. He might not be up on, high up on their agendas. They're dealing with a lot of big fighters, and whereas if he sowed that seed and said Sadiq Yusuf, I think that'd be a great fight. Blah 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 blah, and he again. No trash talk. Respectfully, I think it was great. I think his fight against Arnold Adam was really good. I'd love to test myself against him. He can get one back against an Englishman, <clears throat> and if I win, I get a number next to my name. Yep. Boom, done. And then you've, you, I just, it just makes sense to me to do that. But obviously, they have their reasons to not do it. I think it'd be the way to go. I, I, I do think, like, you know, I, and I certainly don't want to bring any kind of sort of take anything away from that. You know, incredible. KO he got last night, but that first round was slightly worrying. And I was thinking, I hope the rest of the fight doesn't go like this. And, like, you know, to, to yeah. kind of echo what you said, Lerone was smart enough to go, right, this is what I'm going to do. And then Faints brought him straight onto it, which was beautiful. And that's, you know, that clash of styles is what makes exciting fights. But I definitely think looking back across the whole card last night, get yourself out to, to, to Russia and get some wrestling under your belt <laughs> yeah. because uh, that yeah. shit 
works. <laughs> yeah, that does work. It works, man. You've got to be able to defend that stuff nowadays. Um, the uh, the other thing I just wanted to point out is great corner work. Great corner work from Manchester top team because they highlighted what I think DC highlighted in the commentary as well. When he switched to Southpaw, that's when Amir Khani was, was yep. shooting in. Was it, it no? When he or when he switched to Orthodox, I can't remember. Basically, whatever one it was, when he switched to one stance, that's when Amir Khani went in yep. for like a single leg or whatever it was. I think maybe when he switched to Orthodox, had Luke Barnett in his straight corner, in. didn't he? I did. Yeah. Did he? I didn't know yeah. that. Um, but it was just like when he switched stances. Uh, when he was in Southpaw, Amir Khani wasn't interested in the wrestling. As soon as he switched to Orthodox, Amekani was shooting him for that mm. takedown. Um, and the corner spotted it and said that to him at the end of round one. And I think that's what really helped Laron set up mm. that knee because he went, if I switch and then I switch back, that's almost like a little feint. And he did duck in and then he did it and waited for him to commit and threw that knee that landed flush. And yeah, great KO. And, and the timing of it. Just incredible. Like, you know, that ain't an easy yeah. thing to get on the button. Otherwise, everybody would be no. KOing these wrestlers. And that's that's just precision that and timing. Yeah. And obviously, them feints led him onto it. Like, yeah, brilliant. Super hype for him. Um, didn't need to spit out any bullets at the end either. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, is there anything else you, you want to talk about? Because there is one thing that I wanted to mention that was quite a big storyline, but in a smaller fight. So uh, we're going to talk about Kislev, right? Yeah, boy. Yeah, the referee. Uh, Vyacheslav Kislev, I believe his name was, or something like that. I thought I weren't going to attempt moved. the first name. I thought I'll just go for the uh, second. I'm amazed you went for the second <laughs> one, to be honest. I was like, oh, good, good on you, mate. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he was removed from duty. He had two fights to ref that night, and he only did one mm. because Mark Goddard, I think, pulled him from officiating another fight because what we saw in the uh, Dos Santos versus Saint-Denis fight wasn't right. I mean, credit to Saint-Denis. He showed real toughness. He kept going and was a real... Yeah, I mean, an absolute warrior. Paul Felder kept saying on the commentary, you know, this guy's like a special forces soldier in France. Mm. He doesn't know the meaning of the word quit. He's probably been through torture training and all that kind of stuff. This guy was just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. But the referee should definitely have stopped that fight in round two when he was just getting lit up and he looked wobbly, and it looked bad, and it looked like he didn't really want to be there. And even Dos Santos, I think, was looking at the ref at points if to say, are you joking? You want me to keep hitting this guy? And, it, 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 yeah, it wasn't right at all. And I've never seen Kisilev before. What I imagine is it's one of those situations where regions have referees, yeah. that whether that be America, Russia, Abu Dhabi, whatever it is, regions have referees that... They want to be on the big shows because it makes their smaller shows look better when you get recognisable referees, all that kind of stuff going on. We've seen it in America in the the fight between Paul Craig and Jamal Hill uh, where, I don't know if it was Florida or whatever, we we had that referee from either Florida or wherever it was, uh, or maybe it was Vegas. Um, and it wasn't a guy you regularly see on the UFC. Um, and this was this, the Kisilev one. Maybe it was like, a Russian thing. There's so many Russian fighters. I know that Russia and and uh, uh, Abu Dhabi and the Emirates that they, they have 
some kind of connection going on there in that in that world and um maybe that was a favor he, he maybe he refs in local fights over in Abu Dhabi I don't know but he wasn't someone I've recognized from other fights and he he did a really bad job I think We're, not not just with not stopping the fight but also the weird point deduction as well made no sense um I'm sure he'll never ever ref in the UFC again and and to be honest I don't think in any promotion that's worth his weight you're ever going to see him again because yeah that was that was disgraceful interesting to know because obviously you know we was hearing DC and Felder saying stop the fight and we heard we heard Dan Hardy say stop the fight and and that didn't necessarily do him any favors um yeah the difference being that I suppose there was a crowd in yeah half full but there was a crowd so the ref probably didn't hear stop the fight whereas with Dan's one it was in an empty arena and the ref clear as day probably Herb Dean heard him say stop the fight but yeah I ultimately there is no difference to what DC Paul Felder and Dan Hardy on different occasions did there's no difference but Dan's obviously had um the UFC have have sort of punished Dan Mm. for that I don't think they'll be punishing Mm. DC or Felder I did see... Um, uh, yeah, uh, make of that what you will. Uh, also, uh, I see that there's been some beef between Gaethje and DC. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, b- before I'd even seen it, I was just I, I was on my little WhatsApp chat just saying that like I, I didn't think DC was very good last night. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I think Paul Felder's incredible. I think Annick's great. Um but yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it just feels. Is it? What didn't you like about it? I just feel he's a little one-sided sometimes, and he doesn't give fighters their kind of. If he's talking about a hyped fighter that he's obviously excited by, he doesn't credit the other fighter as much as I feel he should. And I think that's valid. I think that's valid. And the other thing I would say to that is there was a lot of fighters last night from the Khabib camp. Mm. And Khabib splits his time between his gym out in Russia and AKA, exactly. uh, yeah. where you know he, he trained with DC mm. for years. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the guys fighting last night, definitely Makachev, yeah. Tugov or whatever his name is, and uh, and a few mm. others were um, were people that DC knows, yeah. and he's probably friends yeah. with. So yeah, is that a problem? Should you be allowed to commentate on fights? When you know fighters uh, like uh, from your gym or whatever, maybe maybe that shouldn't happen. But then I found out something else. Paul Felder had someone from his gym on the card, and you never would have known it. Really, um, Andre Petrovsky, who beat who yeah. in the um, prelims? Was it the fight pass prelim? It was. Or it one was of the, in fight pass. Yeah, it was the fight before the fight pass prelim. Yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, he won a, a decision fight. I don't think you ever would have known from the commentary that Paul Felder was a, a teammate of his. Um, so maybe it's just a DC thing. Is Felder, quote unquote, I don't know, like more professional. But I love DC's kind of like childlike personality. <laughs> but I, I, he gets very excited. He gets more I emotionally really involved. Into it. I like it. Like, yeah. and, and part of me doesn't yeah. mind it, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't affect his critique of the other 
fighters and maybe it does. So maybe that is an issue that needs ironing out. All right. Well, I'm going to go and do some prep for, because uh, we're tomorrow we're going to be recording uh, the pre-show for another ridiculous card. So oh, I'm going yes. to uh, go and prep for that. And you, you're going to go and get your Danuka tattoo, yeah? I'm going to go and get my Dan Hooker tattoo <laughs> on my finger like Tyron Woodley. <laughs> right. If, um, yeah, uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, then go check out um, our back catalogue because when it's not just me and Blake doing pre and post shows, sometimes uh, with the pre and post shows, we have um, uh, two of our pals on. We have um, uh, fight commentator Brian Lacey uh, and uh, MMA superfan and, and, and actor, rapper, podcaster, Scribius Pip. Um, and also in the back catalogue, you get access to hearing some amazing chats with the aforementioned Tyrone Woodley, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, Angela Hill. The the list goes on. Uh, Dan Hardy, who we've just been speaking about as well. One of one of our um, five episodes uh, is is that very one. Um, KO specialist Lerone Murphy, obviously coming off of that monster knee last night. We have a great chat with Lerone and talk about how he's transformed his life, which is remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean, so many fighters that that either fought last night or are going to be further up the rankings. Obviously, looking at Lerone, we've also got Arnold Allen. Uh, great chat with Arnold, haven't we? Yep. The list goes on. And Paul Craig, Molly McCann, Paddy Pimblett. Uh, some of these guests we've had on twice as well. So we've done in-depth chats with them where we've really talked about their life and career and really get into kind of the nitty-gritty of what makes them the person and fighter that they are. And then also we've had some special interviews uh, with some of those guests that have come on a second time that are specifically about a certain fight card coming up, like the September 4th card that was supposed to be the London card that became the Vegas card and all that stuff. And and people like Mark Goddard, we've had the chat with Mark Brilliant. Goddard was fantastic. John Gooden, who was in the, um, yeah. not the commentary booth, but, do, but was on the broadcast mm. last night. John Gooden, shout out to him. He's been on. And then just a plethora of really fantastic and brilliant fighters and people within the MMA sphere. Uh, so check them out on the podcast and also on YouTube. If you want to check them out on YouTube and actually see our ugly mugs, then you can go and do that. Absolutely. And you can also keep up to speed with everything that's coming out. I mean, the best thing to do is subscribe. Um, but if you forget to do that, just make sure you follow us on the socials because um, we always post on there. We've got new episodes out. And, and on fight nights, we'll post bits and pieces up if we're uh, if we're staying up for it. And, uh, and, and other than that, we're pretty active on the socials. So also drop us a message on there. You know, if there's something you like about the podcast, let us know. And if there's something you'd like to hear us chat to, drop us a message and uh, we'll have another. Back next time. Back next time, very, very soon for the uh, pre 268 card Usman versus Covington 2, Rose versus Zhang Wei Li, Gaethje versus Chandler, and the, the debut of Ian Gary, another one of our guests. So, yeah, loads to talk about in literally like tomorrow. Bye.